everyone. Welcome back to another episode of FinTech Walkabout. I'm Will, um, where we're exploring interesting people and businesses in the world of FinTech. Uh, and of course, Happy New Year. Um, joined today by Janesh Vora, CEO and founder of Sprive. Janesh, it'd be great just to get a, just a quick introduction from yourself. Yeah, sure. So like you said, I'm the, the founder and CEO of Sprive. Um, my background actually is, um, is investment banking, so I used to work at Goldman Sachs for about 14 years and then decided to leave and, and, and kind of leave that corporate world behind and, and essentially uh, go into the, the fintech space. And um, yeah, I, I run a company called Sprive. We help home managers pay off their mortgage faster and save interest. Okay, done that before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of those pictures. Um, yeah, so you're at Goldman in risk prior to Sprive. What, what was it that, um, that triggered the, the shift into the world of small fintech yeah I mean, when I was at university I, I always liked the idea of starting my own business but never had the idea um, everyone around me was kind of going into banking it was kind of the, the done thing and so I, I th- kind of thought to myself well I'll do this for a few years and then get some experience and then probably kind of do my own thing and then once you kind of enter that corporate world you just kind of get engrossed and you're, you're like really essentially focused on like progressing through the um, through the through the ranks mm. Um, and then actually a colleague of mine grabbed me one day and was like, I'm looking to leave. I'm going to start my own business. Do you want to do something together? And I was like, okay, what's the, um, what's the idea? And at the time, he didn't really have an idea, but it kind of start, like, sparked this process where every day after work, we'd get our laptops out, we'd kind of brainstorm business ideas. Um, and within like a three, four month period, we, we kind of churned out quite a few ideas and um, and then we came up with the idea for Sprive, and it was all kind of part of my own kind of personal mortgage journey. Okay. So um, this is about 10 years now. My wife and I bought our first home, and we got our mortgage off a document. It said for every pound that we borrow, we'll be paying 50p in interest. I'm thinking, wow, that's, that's over 150,000 pounds in interest. Um, and so we started like looking into how we could kind of pay it off faster and, and, and save and save money. And what we quickly realized is that lenders actually don't necessarily want you to become mortgage free. Yeah. Um, and it's not as easy <laughs> and effortlessly as, you know, as, it, as it potentially should be. Um, and so that kind of sparked the idea. And, and so now we're, we're like making it super easy for people. Um, and it's great. The average broad customer right now is on track to save about £10,000 in interest and pay off their mortgage four years earlier, which we're really pleased about. Fantastic. So who is it? Um, if you had to pick a segment, who is it that you're building Sprive for? Is there like a specific individual? Yeah, I mean, I think it's number one. It's um, right now. It's uh, obviously homeowners with mortgages, residential mortgages. Um, we support twelve of the largest lenders in the UK. So if you have a mortgage like Barclays, Santander, NatWest, yeah. Nationwide, we, you know, we support we support those um, those homeowners. It's about eight million homeowners that theoretically we can support. And then over time, we'll support more lenders, we'll, we'll support people with buy-to-let mortgages, et cetera, et cetera. Um, in terms of this kind of people that tend to um, kind of use our app, are people interested in essential personal finances, who are interested in, in saving money. Um, I mean, ultimately, the, the core reason why people come to, our, come to Sprive and download the app is um, either because they're interested in either paying less interest um, um, on, their, on their mortgage or they're interested in paying it off more quickly. Um, it's something like in the UK, three million people are expected to have a mortgage past the age of retirement. So imagine you know, three million people in their like late sixties, seventies, yeah. um, still having a mortgage to 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 worry about, um, and that just doesn't feel good. Um, and so for those people, it's kind of you know the the app is um, the app is appealing, um, and we tend to find people who have a little bit of discretionary income. Okay. So people who are struggling. Um, to make ends meet are probably less likely to kind of use the app. But if people can afford like you know a few pounds a day, 
um, then that's the that's the type of audience that okay. at the moment we're appealing. But ultimately, my vision for Sprite is anyone with a mortgage can essentially save interest and pay it off quickly. So we're quite kind of finding that more and more creative ways of saying, even if you don't have any extra money, how can you still um, actually get benefits? Yeah. Um, and, and, and I could talk through that a little bit later. Well, that we've talked about a little bit before, um, just around expanding the amount of discretionary, right? Like, how do you do that? Earn more, spend less, essentially. So. Well, this is an open banking based podcast. So what is it, um, or do you think open banking offers an opportunity to kind of help people open that gap up a little bit and start to, to repay, you know, overpay? Yeah, I mean, it's probably worth just mentioning um, how we use open banking in our yeah. proposition and that'll kind of provide some 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 context. So every customer that uses um, uses Sprive essentially links their, their bank account via open banking. So it's pretty much part of our on- onboarding journey. It literally takes a couple of minutes to, to sign up. So you link your bank account um, and then we um, ask you for your name, address, date of birth. And using that information, we obviously get access to the customer's spending information and also their mortgage information. And that essentially empowers the one-tap overpayments that you essentially can make to your lender and gives you all the benefits in terms of saving money and, and paying off your, your mortgage faster. Um, and the, the open banking piece um, does a couple of things. One it, one, it kind of helps verify the customer to kind of make sure that the customer is who they say they are. Yeah. Um, but secondly, and most importantly, it powers the algorithm. Um, so if you think about someone's lifestyle, um, every week, every month, they might spend less one day, one week, one month compared to the next. So Christmas is a great example, which is coming out of Christmas. Um, and a lot of people are spending a lot of money compared to like other months around right, presents and, 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 and getting everything ready for, for, for the festive period. Um, and so in those months, people don't have less money. They might have no money to, um, to be able to put towards their, their mortgage. Whereas there'll be some months where actually they've done a really good job, they've yeah. spent less, they've saved, they've saved more, they maybe cancelled subscriptions, yeah. etc. Yeah. Yeah. Summertime that, energy bills are down. Yeah, exactly, we've identified uh, through, through open banking. Um, and so that's kind of what powers that algorithm. Um, and it makes it very, very then relevant to people's lifestyle. And it's, so it's not something abstract or it's not something ad hoc um, and it's something you can automate. And, and the idea with paying down debt is that the more frequently you do it um, and, the, and the smarter you are, you, know, you are around it, the more money you save. Okay. So, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts in that, right? And um, for someone of my demographic, I think the challenge of getting a mortgage is an increasingly difficult one. Um, so can you talk to us a little bit about the trends, like what's happening today um, from an innovation perspective, you know, what's happening in the world of, of mortgages specifically? You talked a little bit um, when we were chatting earlier about uh, the intersection of mortgages and pensions and how they parallel. Uh, so, yeah, because that's you know, candidly not a world that I've I'm yet to experience. Let's put it that way. Yeah, sure. So, I mean... And I'll try to like bring in open banking into, into that into yeah. that into that kind of response as well. I mean, if you take a step back, um, there's 11 million homeowners with mortgages in the in the UK, um, and then you've got a smaller population of people obviously trying to get onto the uh, like every year like actually buy their first home, and then you've got a whole swathe of people trying to get onto the the property ladder, mm-hmm. um, and it is tough. Um, property prices are are, are increasing. 
Um, like for example, in the last ten years, property prices have, in some areas have doubled, um, but people's salaries are not are not increasing nowhere near that rate. And then we've had like you know macro challenges with things like um, the pandemic and then the, um, the you know the cost of the cost of living crisis. Um, and so there are like a bunch of like innovators trying to help people save enough for that um, for that deposit so that they can kind of get onto the, the property ladder. There's companies who are trying to um, create a pathway so that as you're paying rents, that creates a journey towards home ownership. There's people um, who are offering like, innovative lending situate, like um, 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 products where maybe your parents can help um, if, you're, if they're in a fortunate position to be able to um, essentially um, help you with the deposit. It could be, there's, there's things like shared ownership where a bunch of people can get together and, and try to get onto the property ladder. And so we're definitely seeing from getting, like helping people save and helping people kind of um, lend to like first time buyers is there's a lot of innovation happening and I think obviously open banking just gives a lot more transparency in terms of people's affordability sure. um, and so that kind of helps in terms that, of the underwriting it, process do you think that could go too far and give almost too much transparency from a consumer perspective to say well actually there are things that maybe I don't want my lender to know I think that you know we've seen that in the credit space already with you know won't name them but some uh, credit scoring providers saying uh, actually if we see you've missed X number of payments we'll actually you know cut the open banking connection and you know allow you to tell us as opposed to I, mean, I think I think at the moment open banking and the mortgage space is in its infancy um, but I think um, people it's all about value exchange uh, so if um, people really want like generally culturally in the UK people want to get on the property ladder um, before that, obviously, you're renting and you're essentially paying someone else's mortgage and, yep. and, and, and you're helping them you know, become, become, <laughs> become, become richer, right? So um, I think if you ask the average person, they would love to kind of you know, have their own home and get that mortgage and, and start, that, start that journey. Um, and so if that meant that they couldn't get a mortgage via traditional means and that they, the way they could get a mortgage means that they have to link their bank account, I think a lot of people would personally do sure. it. Um, because they don't have the the option, um, and I think I think it's all about explaining why it's going to help them, mm. and um, and sometimes people aren't are nervous about open banking. I mean, I think the last statistics I saw I saw were four million people now have kind of used open banking in some form or shape. So every year I think it's getting it's only um, up and up. Though, it's so. going up and up, right? And I think it's it's a little bit like if you think about like debit cards and things like that and using that online. Initially people were like, well, why would I do that? Now people on Amazon are doing it all the time, and it's it's not. Even something you think about um, so I, I think it's a it's a it's a learning a learning curve um, and then you've got like um, people with existing mortgages and how can you service that better and if you think about the landscape right now is interest rates are rising right if you think about where the inflationary environment um, and so the Bank of England has had to respond by increasing um, interest rates very very aggressively yep. and so what does that mean for people who uh, have mortgages it means that when they come out of the deal periods they're going to get a bit of a nasty shock in terms of increasing monthly payments but also the cost of their mortgage over the lifetime suddenly increases massively so I gave you that example for like my mortgage and I, and I got it 10 years ago yeah. when interest rates were like very very low and it was one for every pound that I'd borrow I'd be paying 50p in interest so it was something like 150,000 pounds because um, we just borrowed over uh, over three hundred thousand pounds, but now if I was looking to switch, that'd be more like four hundred fifty thousand pounds. I think it's crazy how much how much interest people will be paying, 
and, and so that's where Sprite comes in. It's like, well, can you afford a few pounds a day? Or is there innovative, mm. innovative ways like shop the Sprite where you do your regular shopping? Um, we partner with cool brands like Morrison's, Asda, Sainsbury's, um, Waitrose, etc., etc. And every time you do the, your, your weekly shop, you get extra money that helps you pay off your mortgage faster. And is there other creative ways we can do just by you doing what you normally do? that would help you um, essentially save money. So we're very much focused on that space and there, there, there isn't that much innovation in terms of like helping people um, on, in the in the remortgages space that I'm, that I'm seeing, partly because the, the lenders, um, the big lenders essentially control the market. Mm. Um, and then the other thing I'm seeing um, around open banking and, and kind of mortgages is in the, le- in the lending space and in the underwriting kind of um, yeah. space in that ultimately at the moment to get a mortgage, it can take like two months um, and that's painful and, and the amount of paperwork you've got to complete, et cetera, et cetera. And you think about what a lender's interested in, they're interested in affordability, eligibility. Can you, <coughs> can you repay this debt that you're taking on? Yeah. Um, and open banking data gives you a lot of insights on, on someone's you know, uh, you know ability to kind of pay back. Like if you see someone with lots of gambling transactions, maybe a lender's going to be a little bit nervous and say, yeah. actually, that, that person's probably someone who maybe we don't want to we don't want to don't, don't want to lend to. Um, also, like you can see maybe through the open banking spending that they might be spending a lot on on childcare. And you know, if you look at your income, then you look at your childcare costs plus what your your cost of living, energy, and all of that stuff. Can you afford the, the amount that you're looking to borrow, etc.? So it's really, really um, That's powerful. Context, isn't it? Exactly. But imagine a, 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 a situation where very quickly you link your bank account um, and um, you get an instant decision on whether you can get a mortgage or not. And then literally within you know a couple of hours, it's like you've got this mortgage and you switch. I mean, how amazing would that be? Um, at the moment, uh, I mean, Habita is a good example. They're a, a, a mortgage kind of fintech and their whole branding is mortgages as hell. And, and the reason being is because the amount of paperwork you've got to complete is, is, is crazy. And one of the things that we're doing with open banking and, and, and Sprive is making that journey so much more slicker. Um, than, than what exists in the market today. So not only do we help people pay off their mortgage faster and save money there, but we also scan the market every day for better mortgage deals. Um, and um, and then if we can find our customers a better mortgage deal, we'll help them get that mortgage deal. And because we have the open banking data, you know, it's so much slicker and easier than any other journey in the market. Yeah. I mean, that proliferates out, right? That's, that's what we're up to, isn't it? Exactly. Um, just the shameless self-plug for Aptop while we're here. <laughs> um, just to top through... You know, it's 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 happening very, you know, obviously with what you're doing, but it's it's happening, it's very real at the moment in the mortgage space. These are the types of things we can be doing across you know, everything yeah. everything I use. Um, so I guess it's then a question of like what is it the customer needs to know. So I generally ask this question at the end and I've tried to ask every guest that we've ever had on, you know, do you think it matters whether or not a customer knows what open banking is? So that's part one and then part two, if not you know, what do they need to know? Um, because the term open banking, you know, open banking, you've always been told, don't share your bank details, don't you know, tell other people your credit card information or your you know, account information. But that narrative is shifting um, to trusted individuals like ourselves, obviously, yeah. uh, or trusted entities uh, who, can, who can help you out and, and kind of build, that, build out that autopilot, we call it. You, know, you, you set the parameters, consumer, and will we'll fly the plane for you. Yeah, I mean, I think, if I'm honest, that like open banking and the terminology is probably, A, it's not very clear what that means, and yeah. it's quite technical. Mm. So I, I think it, it doesn't really matter that you communicate um, 
so much that this is open banking. I think it's more focused on the value exchange yeah. and understanding um, what your um, by doing and providing the necessary consent, um, what are they going to get in exchange? And I think if you can um, articulate that, then you've got a better chance of actually getting people to essentially um, you know, share that level of information. Yeah. Um, I also think that there, you know, there are pioneers and there are people that uh, who came into the market when open banking first started, right? Because it's probably how many years has it been now? Three, three years almost, maybe? Almost four. Was yeah. it almost five? Yeah. yeah, so this is a question I ask most of our guests uh, usually towards the end of it and have generally gotten the same answer every single time. But it's a question of, do you really think it matters whether or not people know what open banking actually is? You know, it's a, it's a pretty complex term for most people. And I think, in, especially in the UK or at least Western world, you've been ingrained not to share, you know, banking information, your account number, your sort code. So the term open banking, is it, is it, is it doing it justice, I suppose? I think... Open banking as a as a term is quite technical, and I and I think if you if you talk about open banking to a user, I think most most times you get like this um, vacant look on their on their on their faces. Um, so I think it's really need to focus on the value exchange. Um, obviously, securities is, um, and people's personal finances they they're obviously very conscious that they don't want to be um, kind of opening themselves up to fraud. Um, and I don't think the the general kind of open banking um, initiative have done a great job at like educating users about 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 the you know what what this is, mm-hmm. um, and so I think it takes each individual kind of solution to be able to explain why they need access and what is the the value add, and if that exchange essentially um, makes sense, then customers will will essentially. Um, be willing to kind of share their, their, their data and obviously open banking has been um, around for, for, for five years now and there have been early kind of solutions you know you look at the likes of like Plum and Moneybox and, and Chip as an example where they've they've almost been kind of pioneers and explaining to to people why it makes sense for you to share the data and what um, value you can add and over time you get more and more people getting comfortable with with open banking i think look, the last numbers i saw is that maybe four million people are now uh, have used open banking in some form or shape and yet there's an almost an element of um, people referring friends and family so if they're getting value out of a product then they're kind of um, t- telling others about it and because it comes from uh, someone that they trust they're more likely to then kind of link their bank account and, and use that um, and use the use the use the solutions that are out there yeah and that's um well i think the ev- the evolution of it maybe isn't exactly clear as to where that goes right so so Sprive is one of what 17 fintechs to sign the the letter to the fca uh, to provide more clarity around the future of open banking, um, what kind of transparency? Like, what are you looking for when you, when we go back to the regulator and say, hey, you know, what's the what's the conversation that needs to be had? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important, and it's great that the um, the fintech community is kind of getting together and, and talking with one voice to the to the regulator. Um, ultimately, you want assurances that uh, as the implementation regime kind of comes to an end, that uh, there's um, pressure on. Um, on basically the FCA are keeping focus, but also the, the banks that are kind of um, a key part of um, maintaining that open bank infrastructure are investing um, because yeah. it's only as good as um, it, you know the, the whole infrastructure and the whole solution working. And if if there's no one there to kind of govern um, the whole the whole regime, then it can kind of just fall apart. Um, and there are businesses that are, and, and customers that are getting. Um, true value out of the the whole infrastructure, and I think the UK has been one of the pioneers yeah. um, to kind of like show the world 
um, you know, what can be done when you when when the, the regulators kind of um, you know, help um, both the customer but also uh, help uh, foster foster innovation and to kind of do such a great job um, at, like, at least kicking off but then not um, supporting it for the for the long term is it, you know is, 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 is not a great situation to be in and so um, uh, you know, as as a, an owner of, of a business that uses open banking and it being quite pivotal to our to our to our um, our solution, it's, you need to know that you know the open bank is going to be around and it's going to be supported and uh, invested in for the next you know five, ten, fifteen, twenty years. Yeah, and it's not just open banking, right? We we kind of plug the open everything play. Um, we're now seeing open finance, which is where the worlds of mortgages and pensions start to yeah. come into play a little bit more. Uh, so where do you see it? Where do you see it going over the next few years? Because as you said, it it, it still feels like we're in its kind of nascent stage. Um, you alluded before to uh, you know the, the uptake of credit cards and, and debit that took you know a couple of decades credit scores right are unbelievably only kind of 30 odd years old um, and have really now taken hold do you think we'll see the same things with open banking where do you see open banking evolving into yeah I mean I think one of the challenges open banking has had is the consumer consumer experience journey that um, ultimately um, people experience there's, there's quite a lot of friction. Like if you're, you know, as a customer providing consent, you have to reauthenticate every every ninety days. Yeah. Um, you know, direct debit, for example, it's it's automatic. Um, you can move money out of your bank account and, and make and make payments. Um, so I would love to see, for example, um, the users have the option of indefinite um, um, consent or if they want to then provide consent for three months, that being uh, an option. So I think things like that fundamentally, I think, need to be improved to increase the, uh, the adoption rate and, 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 and create and, and the friction that we have now is, is putting you know, certain people, certain people off. Um, in terms of like open finance, I think that's going to be really powerful in terms of helping people. Um, the more that they can see their, their entirety in terms of their finances all in one place yeah. means that they can make better financial decisions, um, but also creates more innovation in the market because you, you know, you'd be surprised you know, what kind of solutions people will come up with when, they, when they're given the right, um, the right tools. And uh, you know, the whole spirit of open banking was is that not just the, you know, the X number of banks out there in the market having all that data and, and not necessarily kind of giving power back to the user. So I think that I'm, I'm quite excited about the potential for open banking, but um, also I've been a little bit frustrated in terms of I don't think open banking has been as... Um, impactful as it could have been um, and there are a lot of businesses that have unfortunately gone by um, have not succeeded because of things like the 90 day authentication to acquire a customer and um, it's expensive um, yeah. because you're trying to build trust um, get them to essentially manage what's one of the most important things in someone's life their, their money um, and then you convince them to do that you use a product and then the, say for example the, the, the re-authentication they might do it once they might do it twice and then suddenly they get they get frustrated and they stop doing it and if you don't retain the customer then you can't monetize the customer over the long run and then it's really difficult to build businesses and so um, you know, some businesses that would have you know if the journey was a little bit more thought out well thought out might still be around and actually flourishing when actually they've gone um, and, and actually no longer exist or in the market from um, so I think that's one thing that I'd love to see yeah. um, change. Do you think that, from a very capitalistic perspective, do you think that kind of lays a threshold or a, a barrier that almost means that we're going to see better businesses, more valuable uh, to consumer, because it is difficult to uh, 
both engage with and retain those customers, um, you know, it, it, is there like a, a bar there that's then set because there is this 90-day reauthentication process that you, you, your proposition has to be so good that a customer is willing to do that? I think there's two parts. I think there's the... Um, one is that the value exchange needs to be really strong. Um, so for for our proposition, you can literally save you know, £10,000 in interest to the average customer or what they're saving. And so when you look at that value exchange and you see those numbers and, and very early in the journey, you can see how much money you can you can save with Sprive. It's, it's that, there's that motivation. And then if you create the, show them the right screens and you, and you the right engagement, you know, you can keep, you know, we've got a, a really strong uh, re-authentication rate. But we've also built the product so that it's not, like essential um, that you um, you need the open banking data to be able to power the it, it adds value yeah. um, but you almost have to like reshape the product so that it's not just all or nothing so that your product essentially dies um, and adds no value to the customer if that if that customer decides not to re-authenticate I think you've just got to be very creative supplementary as well supplementary rather than essential I think yeah. is, is, is kind of the most important thing that's I mean that's how our business has shifted for sure um we, you know, we started AppTap with this, like, open banking is going to be the, the next new big thing. Hey, it still might be, but um, we can't, I don't think, you know, from a business perspective, we can truly rely on it being the core fundamental thing. It could be a theme within our business that, that helps, you know, extrapolate new data, um, you know, drive new value for ourselves mm-hmm. and our customers. But, yeah, from being, it's far from being, I think, the, the core thing, um that we can kind of fall back to. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, yeah. as an example, 30% of our customers link their bank account when they download the app. Um, so that's 70% of customers that might, if we could find another way of onboarding them, might find value from our product. So over time, we might look at that. Right now, we're, we're going down the open banking route sure. in terms of getting them in. Um, and then from then on, the, the product's quite flexible in that if you have the, you keep re-authenticating, you get more value. But if not, you can still use the product. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we, we've looked at several things and think it's just that value up front. This is what you're going to get. Um, kind of showcase that, hook them on and, re- and reel them, right? So, yeah. so far, uh, if you had to pick, had to say one of two words, success or failure, open banking. What do you think? I would say a success only because it has brought companies like myself and yours to the market. Yeah. And those companies wouldn't have existed if open banking hadn't... Um, ever kind of got off the ground and I think it's changed the way globally different markets are like starting to think about how they think about um, their kind of um, you know interaction between customers the banks and 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 the regulators so from that perspective I think it's you know I have to say it's been a success because um, you know you have to do these things to create innovation and it, and it, and it has um, has it been as successful as it could have been nowhere near sure. like it's literally like um but hey, we're the pioneers. Right? Yeah, we're the pioneers. And obviously, um, I think the important thing is, is that the regulator keeps pushing and supporting um, this initiative that it started. Yeah. And also um, brings, upon, brings about change quickly. Um, I think it's sometimes the, some of the innovation I've seen has slowed down. Um, like um, VRP is, is something that, that again, has, has, has come about. That's ticking. Um, yeah. But um, again, it's, it's so slow. And also, again, the consumer journey... I, it's, it, there's a lot of friction there um, and so it's like for, for, for my for, for, for Spry our business it's like do we want them to consent to data and then we're going to consent them to VRP and it all becomes quite clunky yeah. 
Um, and so I think more needs to be done. Um, and I think more needs to be done when, they, when they're building solutions to think about actual customers and make sure customers are being solicited as well as fintechs and, 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 other, and, and other, uh, other, other people. We have to start with the customer, don't we? Yeah. I think that's, that's always been the core of our proposition. We're obviously, have, um, you know, we, we tell the line between B2B and B2C. Call us B2B2C if you want. Um, and yeah, I think fundamentally, we always get asked this by investors is, you know, who are you catering to? And at the end of the day, if, if the customer is not first and foremost, then you know, what's the point? Um, so great stuff, uh, Janesh. It's been an absolute pleasure having you um, as the first guest in our new setup. Um, very quickly, kind of where can people find you? Anything you want to plug? What comes next for Sprive? Uh, sure. Yeah. No, I mean, first of all, thanks for thanks for having me, um, Will. Um, in terms of if you want to connect on LinkedIn, um, I post quite regularly there. So, uh, <laughs> really? Um, yeah. yeah, so just feel free, Janish Vora, um, and I'm happy to kind of accept the, the, the connection. I'm always looking to like network with, with people in the in the ecosystem. If you have a mortgage and you're interested in saving money or paying it quickly, um, then head to the App Store. It's a free app, Android, iOS. Type in Sprive, you'll, you'll see it there. Brilliant. Well, Janesh, thanks so much. Um, and everyone else, thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on FinTech Walkabout. Excellent. Got there. Cool.